Welcome to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. Woo-hoo. We're gonna talk about gay stuff. We're gonna talk about gay stuff. Gonna talk about gay stuff. And that's our show, folks. It's over. <laughs> this is a podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss the week in LGBTQ plus history. We are Thomas. Tony. Kendall. And this week Ooh. we're going to talk to you about Kendall? September the 27th through October the 3rd, where we'll discuss Gus Ken, I can say his name, Gus Kenworthy, Paul Jabra, and Andy Leibovitz. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For them. For them. And for us. Hey, did you know it is LGBTQ plus history month? Well, at least when this air uh, yeah. episode that October. we're going through, October, starting October 1st through October the 31st, LGBTQ plus history month. Uh, we talked about it last year in episode 18. So if you want to find out the history of LGBTQ history month, check out episode 18 where we go into the history of LGBTQ history month. Pretty cool. Do you ever see SNL uh, when they did the what Vanessa Bayer did the uh, I think it was the red hair uh, when she did the, uh, the Miley, Cyrus, Miley Cyrus Miley uh, Cyrus impersonation? <laughs> it's pretty cool, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all! It's pretty cool. And then Miley came on. It was fun. Anyways, uh, what's going on? Anything fun? Exciting going on this? For you, you just <sighs> we oh started gosh. this an hour late We'd because the Emmys are on right now as we're taping. <laughs> That's really exciting. Yes, uh, I thought you were talking about the house stuff. I was like, oh, I'm exhausted. I don't, I'm too tired to talk about the house stuff. Ugh. Like seriously, I think all Glo- the construction work in the rain. Why are you tired? Gloria and all the lesbians would be very proud because I actually have a callus on my, you know, getting callus on my hands from the Gloria hand saw you in those cargo shirts. That's shorts, a word. and she's like, uh, whoop. I have <laughs> been, I have whooped out the, the cargo <laughs> shorts, uh, and uh, Spencer has none of it. Every time I come out in the cargo shorts, he's like, What are you wearing? I'm like, it's cargo shorts. You're like, you need them for your screws, or your nails, your hammers, your measuring tape. Spencer's like, going to throw them in the trash. He's seriously <laughs> going to wind up in the trash. He's going to lose them in the laundry. But, you know, for all the saying that we're, you know, we're butch gays now, we are not. Because we basically were the handy helpers to his dad. Yeah, you are. <laughs> who was Whoa. doing, hey, not that kind of. <laughs> he's like, can you get me a hammer? It's like, what's a hammer? There's only one Smith boy that I uh, do that to, and it's uh, it's. Spencer. How much drilling went on? <laughs> You know, I was just telling some people this weekend about the podcast. I'm like, (laughs) you know, we get nasty sometimes, but Thomas's mom listens and she's fine with it. So, you know, someone told me the she pulls over and cries. uh, The the electrician uh, who we found out from uh, who I got through a referral, uh, which I'll come back to in just a second, said he found out um, about the podcast. And I'm like, anytime I introduce myself to someone that I don't know, they're like, oh, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, oh, no. Like friends and family, I don't care. Mm -hmm. But and people that listen, I think is great. But then when I meet them in person, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you heard some of those stories. And I'm sorry about that. Yeah. But anyways, Uh, you know where I got the referral? You apologize on my behalf. Yeah, I got the referral from Chris from Baked Bones. Oh, no way. For an electrician? Yeah, the electrician. And so you know about them baked bones, folks, right? They are they are the ones with the dog treats that bake dogs happy. Well, a recent Gallup poll shows that Americans have reported feeling stress, worry, and anger at the highest levels in over a decade. And while we are growing more and more aware of the effects of stress on our bodies and minds, we may not have considered the effects that our stress can have on our 
pets. According to a 2019 study, there's a synchronization between stress hormones in humans and their dogs. If you are a dog parent, you probably know that your pup is very good at reading your body language and can quickly pick up on how you're feeling. You know who's really good at that? Morky. Like, uh, sometimes I'll be like, oh, Morky, I'm having a bad day. And she'll just come. She'll walk out the room. She'll look oh, my face no. and look my tears. That's <laughs> oh even if she's just waiting for the tears. Oh, my dog. That's totally high like, in sodium yeah. stuff. He acts different when I'm stressed. That's yeah. why she's got those. That's why, she's, that's why she's got diabetes. Uh, diabetes. Anyways, we're always working to. You know what? I haven't she thought has about it. only one foot left. The one, the, one <laughs> the one joke that our, our vet, Kendall, for Morky, like. Uh, has is like she would always she and I would always say oh diabetes because there was a uh, old uh, uh, infomercial thing talking about diabetes. Wilfred Brimley he yeah, just died. Yeah, was like diabetes. And so next time you see her and, and take Morky for her diabetes appointment, just say, I think Morky has diabetes, <laughs> and she'll start cracking up. Anyways, we're always working to reduce our. She stress. doesn't take my calls anymore. <laughs> I call her a lot. <laughs> and anyway, we can, um, but that's why you should give her baked bones because baked bones will increase uh, will help decrease the anxiety uh, and that we passed on to our dogs. Baked bones is the solution. CBD has been shown to help reduce stress and anxiety in both humans and dogs. And baked bones has your dog covered. They're made from organic, human-grade ingredients and full-spectrum hemp oil. Their bones may offer some relief relief to your anxious oh, or old pup check out bakebones.com for more information on cbd for dogs that and other benefits they may provide baked bones offers free shipping on all orders over 25 dollars, and you can save 15 percent using the promo code gayestuff15 that's g-a-y-s-t-u-f-f-1-5 baked bones is lgbtq owned and operated and is based in houston texas baked bones is now available in man ready mercantile that fun store that they sell yeah. those really good candles uh, I guess they're getting. We should charge them for the promo too. Uh, Big bonuses. Those guys are really. Since we're man okay. ready. Hey, we're man ready. Man ready. Oh, man ready the, they have stores in Austin and Houston, so you can pick up Big Bones there if you're shopping with your mask in person. Big Bones proudly donates ten percent of all of its profits to no kill shelters in the U.S. Baked Bones, baked dogs, happy. Woof. Uh, we've definitely been using some baked bones because um, at the new, as we give Kennedy or take Kennedy to the new house, because he's scared of hardwood floors. Oh, you saw that. He's yeah. scared of anything that's not carpet, which he's never been in a carpeted home. So he he will like this scratching the floor in terms of like if you if you yeah. try to br- drag him across the floor, he's having none of it. So <laughs> baked bones has been. <laughs> Why are you dragging that poor dog across? Well, the you're floor. trying to like, hey, you know, come <laughs> to the kitchen with us or come to this part of the house. He won't do it. He wouldn't do it. Although recently he has, because I guess we have more junk in there before it was just wide open space. Now we have Whoa. more junk in there. And so hoarding he, already, he seems a bit more comfortable. All right. They didn't move already. <laughs> yeah. We need, a, we need a bigger place. We built a shed though. though. So that's, no, I was just telling Spencer, I'm like, well, now we know we can build up home. So let's just live in the shed and we can rent out the house and we could. <laughs> he wasn't There's room for how many people to chain in there? <laughs> well, <laughs> That's what the electrician was saying. I guess he. Whoa. he we started talking about the. Wait, the, he checked out the podcast. He was talking about a sex dungeon well, in the shed. Apparently, um, we were talking about a sex dungeon in one of our episodes. Can you invite me over the next he time you're like, getting electrical? Whoa. He was like, yeah. <laughs> he was like, apparently, whoa. I need to build you all a, a sex dungeon now. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, but he's not, he's not gay. He's and then really he went cool. to nail it. <laughs> he really went to nail yeah. How do you know he's not? Well, like he's, he's got a wife and three mm. daughters. His you wife says he's, like, he's very much an ally. He said he went to a, a Trump rally. Not a Trump. Like he was at Sounds the beach. Sounds like an ally. Huh? And there was a bunch of Trumpers with their big Trump flags and on the and their big trucks mm. uh, uh, on the on the beach. And so he's decided, he and his wife, they were going to uh, take a big rainbow flag in their truck. And so I was like, get oh, the fuck out. Yeah. So they just had one lying around. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> 
It was actually an umbrella because you know it. you know beach umbrellas are all oh, yeah. rainbow, so it was really an umbrella, and not a flag. Uh, but I'm just kidding. It was a thought that counts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently we talk about sex of dungeons on this podcast. I couldn't tell you which episode that we was. We want action, but... not talk. Jeez, <laughs> uh, what else is going on? Oh, we talked about the Emmys. Uh, so we tell us why you're so excited. Live updates, although this is a week <laughs> late at this point. But as we were recording on a Sunday night, not the Sunday before this release, after church. After church, of mm-hmm. course. Um, Shit's Creek is killing it at the Emmys. Uh, so that's pretty cool. That's even the daughter one. one. Yeah, even the daughter one. Kendall. She could, uh, I, best actress, I don't know. But yeah, so they, they won uh, best comedy at the Emmys. So uh, uh, all the four actors, which is because I was just typing something about Will and Grace and Golden Girls. All, this is one of the rare uh, times where yeah. all four uh, actors or main actors, actors get a win an Emmy award. Mm-hmm. And so they all did. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And, cool. and and it's cool, too, because like Will and Grace, which Schitt's Creek is this pioneering. Well, if you call Will and Grace pioneering, I guess Schitt's yeah, Creek is. is a pioneer. But you've got this show that's written by a LGBTQ man, uh, Dan Levy, who's written this amazing show that he ended on his own terms that uh, started off on just on pop TV and then made its way to Netflix. And then it just became this huge show that featured a storyline, a, 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 a nuanced gay storyline. Cause I, I will say Will and Grace had romance in it, but it wasn't like a nuance like storyline. I mean, this was uh, Dan Levy's character, uh, David getting, Married and well, finding a, a, a man and then getting engaged and getting married. That was a couple seasons storyline. And it, the nice thing I liked about that show, Shit's Creek, it was like it was never one of like, will they, won't they? It was always, it was very much a building. It was a story that evolved, unlike Friends, which was like Ross and Rachel, will they or won't they? And it was always like, it mm. never, things never lined up at the right time. Or, you know, we were talking about this before we were recording some of the, um, you know, the old uh, uh, couple uh, sticks. I mean, the, the, if you think about like, everybody loves Rayman or um, uh, Home Improvement, you had the husband and wife dynamic. It was like they're always, you know, oh, the wife, the old ball and chain. Like I'm going to kill her one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turned into Law and Order SVU. <laughs> Too real. Uh, no, um, there Too was real. a flashback no, to relationship. Right. Like, uh, <laughs> I was always scared he was gonna kill me because he he talked. In I his almost sli- did. <laughs> you did. He talked and walked. He's in a sleep. squirrely little. Are you a sleepwalk? <laughs> he did. That's what I said. <laughs> Only when he was stressed, and apparently he did that for ten years. From the, doesn't do it anymore. No, one night he woke up and I was choking him because in my mind, Morky, our little dog at the time, she was black. Now she's got gray hair like me. <laughs> but I had a dream she was drowning. <clears throat> and I, in my sleep, because you can sleep with your eyes open. That's what sleepwalking is, basically. And you thought Thomas was I the dog? I thought his head was the dog drowning, and the pillow was the water, so I woke up. And he mm-hmm. said, what are you doing? <clears throat> that wasn't even that scary, because I could fight that one off. But the scary thing was when he would walk, sleepwalk and walk out of the room, uh, and he'd be rattling around in the, the kitchen. Like, you could hear the silverware. You're like, this mother effer is going to come at me with a knife. <laughs> And that I would wow, have things scared. were that bad. But yeah. luckily, I had talked about sleepwalking so much that it was a good alibi. So, like, to, <laughs> I, I watch a lot of true crime shows, and there was this guy that, like, um, I think it was his in-laws, uh, but he, somebody had like killed. I think it was his in-laws, and they found out it was him. And he said, "Is his defense was he didn't know what he was doing because he sleptwalked." And they said because he drove that route like every day that 
somebody could be sleepwalking and they could get in the car, drive a route that they drive all the time, hmm. do the murder. And Actually, like, well, there was a Kennedy, one of the Kennedy politicians. Ted Kennedy? Was on, no, I mean, he, he did too. He killed a woman. What like, was the one that, that um, what's the pill that makes people sleep and it makes them sleepwalk? Anyway, he took that and crashed his car, but he was sleeping in bed and woke up on the side of the road in a total car. I really? just call that wine. Yeah, but exactly. I would say this guy drove to his in-laws, murdered them, drove home, got back into bed, and it was like, and his defense was it was all sleepwalking, so I can't remember if he was found guilty Liar. or not, but yeah. You did some crazy stuff uh, sleepwalking, though. Didn't you, like, uh, one time carry a towel around like you was Because you used to be a flight attendant. Like, uh, you were... My parents were staying with me. <laughs> and I was walking around in my sleep, pushing what I thought was the drink cart, because I was a flight attendant at the time. But it was a towel I was pushing in front of me, and my dad says, Son, what are you doing? I said, Serving drinks. You did a wow, lot and you don't sleepwalk anymore? I used to sleepwalk anymore. every single night. No, it's been years. Every, once I Do you think it was stress? <laughs> All the stress gone. I think yeah. No, when we moved to Houston, you didn't do it. You never did it at the town. What did you the last do time I did it was Thomas? 2014. I woke up underneath the kitchen island in the, in the apartment. The, that was you passed out drunk one night. So no, no. What did we, you do we, to him? We Thomas? all wound wow. up. It was that house. I think that house was haunted. Oh, was it? No, it was, was it an old house. It was haunted with our the memories of our awful relationship. relationship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just kidding. Like, the new owners can still hear the screen. They started happily, yeah, the new owners started happily married. It was a murder-suicide, no? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> they got that. Maybe you saw it on your true crime. No, I'm kidding. Um, oh, my God, you guys are going to be in my true crime list. No, oh, you'll hear Fingers about crossed. us on our spoopy, spoopy podcast. Yeah. yeah, our spoopy podcast does all those things that are true crime and murdery. So since we're giving out shout-outs to everyone, let's just talk about our last sponsor, not our last sponsor, one of our other sponsors, Aussie Pet Mobile. Mm. You just saw talk- them driving through the neighborhood the other yeah. day. Yeah. After were- all the murder talk, it might be our last sponsor. <laughs> no, they, they they also sponsor our spoopy podcast, so they're they're down with the true crime and murder mystery uh, stories. Kink. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what's not clean- kink is uh, clean pets. Uh, clean pets without all the hassle. You know, packing up Fido in the car, driving, you know, the, that pup all over town for a grooming is a chore that many of us pet owners rarely enjoy doing. That's why we call up Aussie Pet Mobile to come straight over to our homes to groom our dogs. With Aussie Pet Mobile, you can have a spacious, custom-designed mobile unit with all of the luxuries of the salon, AC, heat, electricity, and water at your home. There are no hookups needed, and they never use kennel dryers or harsh chemicals during the grooming process. Their vans ensure that your groomer's ability to take care of all of your pet's needs, including hair care to paw care and everything in between, is there for you and your pup. They even offer special services such as d treatments, whitening treatments, hair styling, hey girl, uh, dead sea mud baths, dark coloring treatments, and facials. Their groomers are trained and certified facials. and will pamper your pets with a personal 100% cage-free. I think that's very important because I always thought about Carter going to the cage at the gr- uh, like the PetSmart and I was like, that really made me sad. And Morky too, but Morky was small, but Carter was just uh, like, he would wander around and yeah. Um, you get one-on-one experience with uh, Aussie Pet Mobile, all in the comfort of your driveway, your curbside, you know, wherever. And you know what else Aussie Pet Mobile is really, those groomers are trained on? Social distancing. Good social distancing practices, as the uh, our spoopy guys do, like, beep, 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 beep. It's in my head every time because I have to hear it, and I love hearing it. Uh, you can make your appointments with Aussie Pet Mobile, and be sure to ask about their contact-free grooming service. Woof. Woof. 
<laughs> Speaking of, yeah, no, amazing job. I love what they've done to Morky. They make her look beautiful, smell clean, and she. I think she likes going there. Cause uh, she, she looks beautiful. It's been a few weeks, and she still looks beautiful. Yeah, uh, but majestic. I just remember taking her to the Very other majestic, uh, yeah. uh, the other groomer. Regal. Uh, again, it was pet the one of the big pet, pet chain stores. And uh, she was never excited about going there. Here she's like, Oh, that was that one was awful. She's like, Yeah, take me there. And she's like, She's going to the salon. So I'm like, All right, girl. So that's that. So yes, that's our Kiki. Anything else going on? Not really. All right. Same thing. Literally nothing. Well, you know what? Okay, so when you were talking, oh. I jokingly put drop my ring in the chip bowl that we have here. This is not that kind of party. <laughs> It was wedding ring, not any kind save of a ring. For, save that <laughs> for the weekend. And my husband of one month has already lost his wedding ring. Oh. He did? Yeah. <gasps> oh, my gosh. It's, you know, if we were straight people, it would be like, oh, it's a sign girl. Girl, this is $19 on Amazon. It it's only a, has been a month? It's a sign I girl. it was a couple months. I don't know my exact. July y'all 7th. Got, y'all got married in June, didn't you? July 7th. Or so two uh, and a half months. Or 12th. <laughs> August. Two and a half months. <laughs> you know the pandemic's been a blur. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> One month for all. That's how. No, I mean I love him dearly. Time flies. That's but I, I mean, does that mean I'm not married anymore? You're not a detailed lost person. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Except an application. Is that, the gays, is that how gays divorce? I lost them. You know, that was one of the things that before I we rambled off. I was like, Shit's Creek, punctuated. Like those that you know, uh, Moira and and uh, Johnny Rose, the the main couple, mm-hmm. like uh, the older uh, Catherine O'Hara, who won. Woo woo woo. She's cute. I like love her. And um. Uh, Eugene Levy, like the characters that they played, uh, who also won. So kudos to them. Uh, they, um, they, they were never the the sh- like the sticky like I'm gonna kill my wife. And they were Dan oh Levy. To his credit, was like purposeful in terms of how he built that relationship. It was a loving, partnering relationship. And um, yeah, you know, something we can all. And it wasn't too like out of like oh it's yeah. this couple could never happen. I mean it's it was the mark of a couple who's been there for. Uh, it will be together for 40 years, 50 years until they die, which is really fun to see that sort of. Well, he always is very conscious of her mental health. <laughs> yes. So I can relate. <laughs> you can relate. Is or Ben, ben conscious relate. of yours or you're conscious of Ben's mental health? Ben's conscious of mine. Okay. Because <laughs> I could be like, I'm having a good day. <sighs> and screaming in the street and blaming on sleepwalking. Uh, sleepwalking at like 10 a.m. Then you get Facebook and you're <laughs> turn the Facebook app on and you're like, ah. <laughs> no, He's educating really. voters. Thank you. He's yes, just educating. Well, no. Um, My are, Facebook is innocent. It is. Just a couple nudes. <laughs> but I, they're not of me. Oh, that's your Instagram. Sadly, okay. I, oh, not sadly, that's oddly, I had a dream last night that I sent a nude out that was just like, which I've never taken. And you said not sadly? Well, I mean, I think it will. <laughs> Back in the day. Sure. Back what? Excuse me. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> oh, back in your single that days. That I sent, sent it back in the day. I thought you were like, I wouldn't be ashamed back in the day. I'm like, oh, no. hey, listen. <laughs> my 40-year-old body. I had the CVS woman tell me the other day, I, I told Spencer, I got red, I got fed and then red. She fed me a compliment. She's like, she was like, I was, I bought, you know, only the finest box of wine for, for Spencer. Uh, so I bought him some wine at the CVS. And she was like, can I see your ID? And I was like, okay, sure. So she's like, oh, I just fell in love. And it's not, my ID picture is not a, a great picture. But she was like, oh, I just fell in love. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, you know, I got to renew it and whatever. So she sang, talk, whatever, and then check out. And you know, CVS gives you this long. No, uh, it's like 80 pages, the yes. receipt. Oh, you buy one candy bar. There was a deodorant uh, 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 coupon oh. there. She's like, 
uh, make sure you check out this one next time as she's handing me. The, I'm like, what is that one? I thought it was like the you know the twenty dollar off. She's like, like mm, it's three fifty nine sure on deodorant. deodorant. Yeah. And I was like, I got fed and red. Oh, I thought you were gonna say. Sh- she said, make sure to fill out the survey no. after she had given you a couple surveys. No, she told me to buy stunk. <laughs> oh, shut up. She didn't mean it. That's what she said. She was just being nice. Like, make sure I you think check she meant it. She was there, in love with you. Like she no, there were 30 other coupons on that thing. And the make she, sure you check out number 17. <laughs> right. Well, they were all pads. Yeah. <laughs> and she says she picks out that one. Make sure he's at 359 for deodorant. Were there Q-tips on there? I was working at the house at Q-tips. <laughs> that was not the nude I sent, oddly enough. It was a piece of, uh, yeah, picture, which was crazy because I sent it out. It was like in a, in a work-type email. Like I was sending a communication to clients, and I was like, and at the time when I sent it in my dream, I was like, oh, oh you yeah. included a nude in the... Yeah, I wow. was like, oh, because it was something behind. What kind of business is economy works? <laughs> <laughs> there was something behind. It was like everybody's business. What kind now. of business you in? It was, it was the you know the the junk, and behind it there was like the product placement I was trying to go. It's like, look, we were talking about your deodorant. Product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about your product, and then I like, and I sent it. You're like, like modeling the deodorant. Uh, it's a nude with I'm like, like your yeah. You see the picture of, of your product, and no, <laughs> that's not where he puts it. And then I woke up it's in the morning. I'm like, I didn't really send that, did I? So. Like, oh, my God, do you wake up in a panic? Yeah, I did. I woke <laughs> up in a panic, which is, like, plenty of times, all the time. Anyways, um, enough of the kiki. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about well, your Speaking topic. about awards. Um, <laughs> so um, tonight I'm going to talk about uh, Paul Jabara, who – do you guys know who he is? Have you heard of him? He's in Star Wars, right? Yeah. So he was, a, <laughs> he was an actor, singer, songwriter. He's, he's most famous for the songs that he wrote, but he wrote – he was pretty influential in the disco era, and he wrote some pretty uh, common songs that we'll talk about. But he actually passed away this week in 1992, September 29th. Um, but he wrote uh, Donna Summer's Last Dance, and he wrote <gasps> It's Raining Men, which that's a really good story, uh, that song in itself. But um, he actually had a pretty amazing career. Uh, so he was born in New York in Brooklyn in 1948. He was kind of always the family entertainer. So even when he was three and four years old, he was always like, you know, doing stuff to like entertain the family. He was very musical. So he was an actor when he was a teenager. He was in like various magazine ads. And then um, he actually got offered a part as a teenager in um, uh, The Sound of Music, but it was a touring show. And so his parents wouldn't let him do it because it was, it was going to be touring the U.S., so, um, but he was in the original cast of Hair, and he was in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, he also got offered a part in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat in London, um, but because he was American, the London uh, Actors Union wouldn't let him do it. So in protest, he actually chained himself to 10 Downing Street, which, you know, is the Prime Minister's house, so it's kind of like their equivalent of the White House. Yeah, just to protest that... Oh. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. And, um, but he was in a ton of like movies and TV shows like Midnight Cowboy. I mean, if you kind of like read the list, there's, you know, just a lot of household um, name movies and stuff. But he's really famous for being a songwriter. And so he, he started out by writing Broadway music. And he actually, there was one, uh, play that he did all of the music and wrote the script and everything. And, uh, but he started out doing Broadway music, and then, you know, he was born in the late 40s, and so he was in the 70s when he kind of started, you know, his professional career. So he really was influential in disco. So he wrote a lot of disco songs. So he actually um, wrote 
and sang a bunch of songs. He released five albums of self where he wrote the songs. He would sing a lot of them, but you know he would get a couple of other singers as well. But um, he wrote Last Dance, sung by Donna Summers in 1978, and it was in a movie. That's how it was released. It was through this movie. That's such a good song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm singing it in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and so because of that, he won a Grammy for Best R&B Song. He won an Academy Award for Best Original Song in a Movie and a Golden Globe for Best Original Song in a Movie. He wrote a couple of Barbara Streisand's top hits. So he wrote um, her song for the main event, which was a movie she was in. And it was her uh, third highest uh, chart-topping song. So he wrote that song. He actually wrote um, No More Tears, which was a duet sung by Donna Summers and uh, Barbara Streisand, which went like it was a number one Billboard um, hit. He actually wrote a song, and Whitney Houston sung it on his album before she was Whitney Houston. So when she was kind of just trying to get her start, Whitney Houston sang on one of his albums. Was she Whitney Dallas then, or what? No. Mm. Not funny. I'm kidding. (laughs) But he wrote songs for Bette Midler. He wrote um, songs for Diana Ross uh, that were pretty good songs for her. Um, And he had actually done some duets with Donna Summer. So, like, they had sung a couple of duets that were released on his albums. So he also wrote It's Raining Men. And so, you know, he had a good relationship with Donna Summer, Barbara Streisand, Diana Ross, because he had written, like, several hits for them. So he wrote It's Raining Men, and all of them turned it down. Uh, even Cher turned it down. And so... <gasps> Can you imagine Cher saying... Let's just all think about it for a second. Oh, yes. I think it would be good. It's raining men. Cher, <laughs> which kind of makes you wonder why she turned it down, but you I could just you, totally see her... It's your Cher impersonation, Kendall. Oh, oh. <laughs> that would have been so good. I mean, yes, it's rain, but just in a chair. Yes. Uh, yeah. It would have been awesome. Can you imagine the video? I mean, exactly. Cause on a side note, just on the, the hair videos, flips, like uh, Lady Gaga just released clothing. recently her video of 911. It's so trippy, but cool. Like when you watch it the second time, it's not as trippy. The first I time I was it. watching, I was like, what's going on there? But my point is like, in terms of a video to get not too far off track, thank you. Yeah, uh, it was uh, like Cher would have made an amazing video. I'm, yes. I'm picturing it in my head. I feel like, she and so I couldn't really it. find why these they turned it down. I don't know if they just thought it was going to be a flop or whatever. Um, so what he did is he found two backup singer, well, two backup singers that he had worked with, and he asked them, "Would you record this?" And they said, "Yeah." So they created a uh, group called the Weather Girls just to record that oh, yeah. song. Martha Wash. Yeah. And so uh, they were basically two backup singers, and it went number one in the U.S., number two in the U.K. And, I mean, it's like you can't go to a a gay bar now that, like, it's dance night, and they don't play that song, right? It's, like, just a staple. So um, That's usually just you singing it, though. That's what? That's usually you just singing, it's raining. Like, you get excited because it's raining. Advertising. Yeah. I wish it was raining, man. (laughs) When we used to go to gay bars. Yeah. Um, but it, like the reason I wanted to talk about him is, you know, I do feel, uh, you know, he, and he passed away at 44, so he was very young and he had accomplished all this. And I, I feel like, you know, he should be kind of more of a household name within the gay community just for his songwriting. But he actually is also a co-founder of the red ribbon oh. for, for AIDS. Yeah. Oh. And so he and another guy, did he have AIDS? Is that how he died? He did. Oh. Yeah. I know. And. I was going to ask that at the beginning. I, was like, I did kind of get a bit emotional like when I was researching this because I was like... Because you're almost 44. 
No, but this guy accomplished all this by 44, and I thought, it seems like we can't go more than a few weeks without somehow mentioning the AIDS crisis, and I was like, what would he have been able to accomplish if he lived to, like, 80, you know? Mm. More Oscars, more people because of that crisis. So when he created the Red Ribbon, um, it was actually anonymous, so he and this other guy, they were part of this, like, um, gay artists uh, collective in New York, and they basically just wanted to have something out there that every time you saw it, it's like, oh, you know, awareness of AIDS. And so they purposely, they were anonymous because they didn't want to detract from the attention of it's a red ribbon AIDS. And they never wanted anybody to benefit commercially, so it can never be trademarked uh, or anything like that. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And so it wasn't revealed till like a long time later that he was one of the, you know, co-creators of the red ribbon, uh, which is pretty cool. But um, which, on a side note, if anyone from the Apple, app, you know, uh, texting team or Facebook, like that's one of the emojis that I cannot find. Is mm-hmm. that, That'd be a good like, one. It would be that good would be a good one. one. Yeah, and yeah. the pink one. Things, yeah, for breast cancer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like show it. Like, I cannot find. I'm, every time I'm like, oh, the red ribbon, yeah. and nothing. or just a pair of breasts. Yeah. And you know, like I do feel because like the melons, the, the breast cancer is the pink ribbon. Like soldiers, it was the yellow ribbon. Like during like Iraq War and stuff, mm-hmm. and so. Like he kind of started a black ribbon right is for bondage. It. It's actually a rope. Oh, it is. <laughs> wait, are we talking Yankee code now or what? No. Oh my God, you should start a ribbon code. code. Yeah. Um, but he did have pretty. So he died in September 29, nineteen ninety two, of of AIDS. Um, he was in the middle of writing "We're Gonna Win," which was going to be uh, sung by Donna Summers. He was working on that song for her, and he couldn't finish it because um, he just got so sick, and he ended up dying mm-hmm. before he completed it. So at his funeral, uh, a bunch of his friends actually sang that song, but then after the funeral, they locked it in a vault, and it was never sung again, which I thought was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like his memorial or whatever. In 2005, uh, they wrote a Broadway play, which was called Last Dance, and it was basically um, an assemblage of all of his uh, disco songs that he had written over the years, like his top hits. And it was the storyline was about a modern day person in the mid 2000s who for one night went back to Studio 54 and was able to like live a night, you know, parting at Studio 54, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so that was re- released on or started on Broadway in 2006. Um, he has a ton of like super long list of like awards for his song songwritings and stuff um so he's actually buried in greenwood cemetery which is in brooklyn and it's a national historic monument because in new york everybody used to be buried in churchyards but when new york got so big like the churchyards didn't have room brooklyn was very rural so they created this cemetery which was also kind of a park and uh, so it's now it's a national monument but they have tours through there, and so there's a gay-themed tour, and his um, gravesite is always a stop on this gay-themed oh, tour, cool. which is pretty cool. Yeah, that that's in Brooklyn in the Greenwood Cemetery. But anyways, uh, pretty amazing guy. I think he accomplished a lot in his 44 years, which is pretty cool. And, I mean, big impact on the gay community because of, you know, his songwriting and stuff like that. It's still... You know, like Last Dance, um, so, and some of these songs, like I, that he wrote for Barbara Streisand and stuff, I listened to and I had never heard before. But um, you know, they were like uh, chart topper, so pretty, pretty cool, dude. Cool, like yeah. Them, and it, and I do like you know one one reason I wanted to cover him is I thought, oh, who's this guy? And then when I started researching, I thought, God, he's like, you know, 
like there's a lot of substance to him like pretty remarkable and then i was like god what would he have been able to accomplish if he didn't contract mm-hmm. AIDS 44 is young 44 is so young you know yeah what uh what uh was it making you like reevaluate your revalue re oh, i can say this right Alzheimer's say too. reevaluate your life and want to go be a songwriter no oh no. god no i have no ability for that but i reevaluate i re <laughs> see try it reevaluate imagine my life every year i'm just starting all over Oh, every year I do it every day. I'm this like, year I'll be a Disney princess, and next year I'll be. <laughs> well, I do feel it's that all was, over the that map. Was a, with that my was a fun season for you, Disney princess. Look, I really enjoyed that one. Well, yeah, but it was Ariel, and I had to crawl everywhere. <laughs> I thought it was Frozen because you froze me. Because <laughs> you froze me out of our relationship. Oh my <laughs> god, you're still on that? No I'm kidding. <laughs> still frozen. I know. Yeah. A couple weeks ago, he's like, Candle broke up with me that time. <laughs> it was Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. Oh, mermaid. <laughs> Thomas was the beauty. Yeah. <laughs> you were the sleepwalking beast. I need uh, Aussie Pet Mobile to groom me from the beast. Oh, my God. <laughs> they do a good job. They do a good Candle's job. like, do you do humans? <laughs> with hooves. <laughs> Clean those Oops. No, thank you. Speaking of sponsors, how about Economy Works? Say you need help with marketing, hire a freelancer. You need help building a website, you can hire a freelancer. Need help benchmarking and analysis? Why not hire a freelancer? Economy Works has those freelancers for you. Economy Works believes in the power of connection and wants to connect you with its talent network. The talent network has over 800 years of experience and growing in HR, marketing, IT, accounting, and other specialties. Economy Works, when we work, the economy works. You can find out more at economyworks.com. That's E-C-O-N-O-M-I-W-O-R-K-S dot com. Woof. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what they were saying when I sent that nude pic in my dream. That was so weird. And that was this, like, last night, so. You and your dreams, like the Q-tip <laughs> dream, this nude on the economy works thing. And again, I, in my in my dream, I thought it was genius. I'm like, I sent product placement. They're going to be really proud of what I did. And then I was like... <gasps> Oh, you were placing that product, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? It was viral before it went viral. Sorry, Mom. Uh, oh all right. Uh, my research this week was really, really tough. Really tough. Cause, uh, Why? So I'm talking about uh, Augustus Gus Kensworth. Kenworthy. I always want to say Kensworthy. Kenworthy. You guys ever heard of Gus Kenworthy? I've not actually. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with his work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look him up on Instagram, Tony. Uh, he was born October 1st, 1991, in the UK, actually, uh, and uh, raised in the US. He was born to an American dad and a British mom. I have to mention her name because it's not how her full name, but she goes by Pip, which I think is cute. Very British. Yes. Uh, he grew up in. Are you approved, Tony? Yeah. It's uh, like Peppa Pig. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's only. A, he's, gonna, he's 29 now, so and with an age range. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of ass pics on the uh, uh, and crotch pics on the ass like bare on ass Instagram. Pics on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, grew up in uh, Colorado though, with two older brothers, and that's how he found his passion for uh, being a skier, which is what he what he's known for. I mean, we know him from the 2018 Olympics. Maybe how do you what? T- when does Gus Kenworthy enter your um, your sphere, Kendall? I vaguely remember 2018. But then I remember anytime he has a picture of it, 
any skin exposed below his neck, the internet goes wild. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we know him from 2018. He was uh, in the Olympics. He was one of the first openly gay men to compete in the Winter Olympics, of course, because Winter Olympics features uh, figure skating. We know there's plenty. No, is that too mean? Is that too stereotypical, that gay hating? But there's a lot of well, we love gay figure, figure skaters. Figure skaters. I'm down for that. Uh, none of them were out though, and yeah, like while they were act- while they were actively competing, and so uh, Gus Kenworthy, along with uh, another LGBTQ favorite, Adam uh, Rapon. Rapon, uh, I've been read before for mispronouncing people's names, so I'm sure I get it right. Uh, Adam Rapon, you remember those two, like the Cutie. smiling faces? They mm-hmm. were featured in a lot of photos uh, during the 2018 uh, uh, Olympics. Um, both very, you know, they stirred a controversy with uh, with the vice president at the time, uh, president uh, vice mm-hmm, president Pence, Pence uh, because they, you know, there was all this controversy about um, how Trump and Pence were going to receive uh, the athletes, and obviously, um, uh, you've got Kenworthy and Rapon who were not that excited about. That's the picture that everyone knows. Tony just picked up the butt, the the butt the, with the skis, the, the butt the photo with the skis in the snow. Uh, but yes, he also kissed his boyfriend on camera uh, during the Olympics, which was a big deal because it was the first time like you saw an Olympic athlete at, mm-hmm. like as part of the event, you know, the prep, the lead up to it, uh, uh, kissing his boyfriend. Um, he, you may know him from YouTube and Instagram, which is how most people know him because as you noted, Kendall, when uh, he appears without uh, some clothes on, whether that be a shirt or pants, uh, yeah, the internet, at least gay internet explodes. Um, maybe in their pants too. But prior to 15, 2015, um, when he came out, which is when the LGBTQ community really started to know him, prior to that, he was, an athlete, he, he was known for being an athlete. Uh, he was an Olympic silver medalist. He was known for being uh, the best uh, contest free skier in the world. He was, uh, so in, in the ski world, in the, the free skiing world or the skiing world, there are, um, not to lose you guys, all right, stay, stay with me, but there are, there are three things that, like, three kind of competitions or sp- lanes, so to speak, where these free skiers will do their, like, compete. There's okay. the evening gown. Yes. There's the slope style, the half pipe, or in the big air. Uh, and uh, Gus was able, he competed in all of them and not only just competed, but he was always trying new tricks. And that's really how he got a name for himself. I mean, many of people were like, he's icon status, like in terms of what he's doing. You know, he made a name for himself by uh, trying jumps and tricks before anyone else did. And he had a breakout year in 2010, which then earned him lots of sponsors. Uh, he competed in the X Games, which was a big goal for him and if we know the x games it's kind of where they're doing things like free skiing and freestyle like type of events so it's not the traditional like let's just focus on the uh finesse of it but this they're these guys are doing some and women are doing some dangerous tricks out there uh but it was the x games which was a culmination of like what he really was aspiring to be he was like i want to be in the x games but it kind of tripped him up and kind of really had him start to think about himself as a person and start to really kind of confront his sexuality because when he was competing in the x games um a lot of times when you're at the x games because they're on tv you know like most television productions these days it's not just about 
unless you're watching a basketball or football game until recently, uh, it was a lot about like just the sport. But on when you're doing the X Games, there's a lot of backstory to mm-hmm. to it. So there's like let's introduce the family and who are they dating and the wife and the girlfriend and whatever. And they're mostly this is a very alpha male yeah. uh, sport, and so. He got tripped up because there was an ESPN producer ahead of his event was like, so do you have a girlfriend? And he was like, no, no girlfriend. And he said that moment he just felt so guilty because he was knew he was lying. Yeah. He got knots in his stomach. And well, he, he had a long-term boyfriend at the time? No, he was just, he wasn't out. He was still kind of He dealing, just went along with. Right. No, but did he have one or no? He was he single. Did, no, he, did, he, he oh. was single. Uh, but he felt guilty, and he said he he just it threw him off his game in terms of that competition. Like he didn't even medal in that competition, which he was, there was all sorts of expectations that he would do well. He was looking forward to this like this big event, and uh, it, he, because of that 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 question, it just tripped him up. You know, no, no girlfriend was the like the phrase he would repeat often. Though he found that kind of as a safety net. No, I don't have a girlfriend. No girlfriend. Uh, even when he would finally come to terms with his sexuality and have a boyfriend sharing with him, he'd still ask. He'd still respond in that way. No, no girlfriend. So he felt very uncomfortable coming out. Again, this is a very alpha yeah. ga- alpha male culture. He had sponsors at this point, Nike, so big name sponsors, GoPro. Because if I want, you know, if you watch a couple of videos of him doing his stuff, like his art, his trade, like coming down the skis, uh, the the slopes, and everything, pretty remarkable. And it's it's crazy what he does. But you definitely have to have this risk taking. Uh, I'm out there chest pounding uh, type of mentality or at least what we view typically view that so when you're in that world and you're gay most of the times if you fall or you do some sort of uh you know trick that isn't so uh, espousing alpha male you you're called oh uh i think the term that he said a, a lot that he made him really uncomfortable with sk- uh, skier fags he was just like you got called that for being a sissy boy you know for again your trip your tricks being half ha- haphazard or whatever you, you're failing at a stunt it was kind of oh that's so gay and so these terms were always thrown around at him around him not necessarily at him but around him and it was just part of the culture which really made him feel uncomfortable his sponsors uh, had there was one sponsor um, that that uh, he's no longer I guess affiliated with but made an anti-gay remark uh, 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 not to him, well about him to him uh, even before he was out in terms of why he was late to practice one time his physical therapist you know one time said oh there's no way I could spend uh, I could ever imagine talking to a gay guy all night so while he's you know doing mm. you know, ther- you know performing yeah. therapy Again, this was before he was out. His friends, everything, again, the the term we've talked about, the, the use of the term, that's gay, like, all the time. It's just around yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And so when you consider that since the age of five, he knew he was different, uh, he's growing up the youngest of, of three brothers. Uh, he's always yeah. trying to compete. He knows he's different. He, he, the only way he can avoid the questions of are you gay, which is what Kendall you've talked about several times, is being better, being smarter, being like you know more fierce. And, and so that's yeah. what he he kind of committed to doing. Well, I'm going to be the best skier. So anytime he would compete in his with his brothers or anything, the the question was well, how did how do you know how do my brothers do? Because he was always trying to be better so that he could compensate compensate for yeah. what he was hiding um he grew up in a place in uh tell tell ride how do you tell you ride tell you ride colorado mm-hmm. um little diversity grown so he he did he wasn't surrounded by gay people people of color he yeah. just wasn't surrounded by different things different different cultures different people so it was really hard for him to like grasp like what am i how am i different i know i'm different 
I know I don't like having sex with girls, even though he had been with girls before, and he said he would cry afterwards because he knew he was uh, living a lie. Um, he, he During, I wonder. And, he said, and part of it is, too, like, in the sport, at alpha male sport, he's good-looking, he's charismatic. Like, people would, like, would gravitate to him. And so uh, he, he just yeah, really struggled with it. Finally, he said, I've I got to come out. Um, he didn't have gay friends, though. He didn't, he'd never been to a Pride. So imagine, like, you know you're gay. You know mm. you're an athlete that's popular on TV. Like, all of, he, you know you're going to be in this for this ride. But he's, he's got no um, framework for, like, what it means because every, all, of, all of a sudden, as soon as you come out, all these mics are going to be in front of you. Like, yeah. tell us what it means to be. Because he was the first gay athlete in this action-type sports yeah. to come out. And so... He really struggled, but he's like, I have to do this. And so uh, he did at the age of 24. You know, he came out, well, in his early 20s, he came out to his mom, told his mom first. Of course, his mom, being a wonderful, supporting mom, said, yeah, I know. It's okay. Like, I, I yeah. so she was very supportive. He told his brothers. They were cool with it. His best friend was very supportive. His best friend's also a competitor and the same, the same um, uh, sport. Um, but he came out on the cover of ESPN, mag ESP ESPN magazine in the October 2015 issue. You're thinking about this, like we've talked about uh, other athletes that have come out uh, and then really didn't have a career afterward. Michael Sam uh, mm -hmm. is, is one of them. Uh, and, you know, Michael Sam was supposed to be this, like, yeah. force, like, oh, it's finally. Yeah. And, and Jason Collins. Jason the, Collins, yeah. yeah. All these athletes were supposed to come out. It was supposed to be, like, uh, and then you thought there was going to be this avalanche, uh, although a, a snow skier never wants to see an avalanche. But he thought he, other people were going to yeah. come out, too. And he's like, eh, nothing. No, no one ever came out. Uh, uh, after after he did, but um, um, despite being you know this was a huge burden to him, he came out again on the cover of ESPN uh, magazine. Um, but he said even with all this, like leading up to this coming out, he was just like despite being uh, famous and you know a, a, the top of his field um, as in terms of the the sport he was in, being a, a gold a Olympic winning gold medalist, like he he would felt just burdened by it and even consider taking his own life at one point. And so, mm. uh, but he had to come out he said he couldn't live the lie anymore. And he came out and he said, since being out, you know, he's been able to live his truth. He's not burdened by like what we've talked about before, like coming out, like you, you're always hiding something. You have to, you know, make sure you don't refer to your partner as, you know, yeah. uh, by the wrong pronoun or whatever, or you don't talk about them at all. So you're just hiding this. So he was able to, to be out and live his life more freely. Um, but again, we're pretty remarkable for the first guy being out in an action sport and skiing. Of course, today he's fully like embracing his LGBT, you know, Q, LGBTQ plus membership. Uh, you've seen him on uh, some of the most iconic shows. He's been on RuPaul's Drag Race as a um, as a uh, as a he was a contestant on um, it wasn't the Snatch Game, but they were doing a Snatch Game type thing. It was the dating game. Uh, uh, show so he was on that mm -hmm. uh, he was on Will and Grace and then he actually had a real um, uh, acting uh, because Will and Grace and RuPaul's Drag Race are like one episode sort of sticks but he was a full-on character in American Horror Story uh, the most recent season, 1984. Oh, get out. He was, okay. he was a character named Chet, this athlete who was fitness obsessed. Research. Them. Well, we're I thought we were going to get to that already because Spencer and I have been. Uh, I, Spencer was always no, 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 no American Horror Story, 
And then all of a sudden in the last two months, we've seen every season, we're finishing up Coven. We've kind of scattered all around uh, to what things that would be most interesting. But we're finishing off Coven, so uh, we'll be off, we'll be off, we're on the last episode of Coven. And Real then we're going to go to 19, 1984. Well, people are saying uh, Ratchet is the worst <laughs> American Horror Story season ever. Which is not an American Horror right, Story Right, but what they're saying is it goes along the same line. You know, he was getting some like pushback for being on on uh, a straight character. They're like, uh, so there was a lot of criticism being like, oh, hey, well, geez. it wasn't so much that it wasn't. It was like, can he act straight? Because mm. I guess he is he a, feminine. Uh, no, not really. I mean, if you compare him to Adam Rippon, uh, Rippon, 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 rip me, rip me. Uh, how do you say his name? Rippon. Rippon. I, I always say wrong. I always feel like we have him on the line. Adam. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's Rippon. it's pronounced Adam. <laughs> <laughs> a damn, uh, but he he. Uh, and he got flack for playing playing a straight. He got yeah, he, for it. but even before the the series came out, they're like, "Is he going to be able to pull off playing a straight guy?" Also, why did you roll your? That's eyes? obnoxiously ridiculous. Well, he stereotyping. Came, isn't, it? He, isn't it? He came out with an essay saying, "Hey, look, ridiculous." I can, so I can he get on? Okay, I thought I thought that wrong. I thought you were saying he played a straight guy, and because he's gay, he has to play a gay character. But you're saying he's not believable. People were saying he wouldn't be well, believable would as a he be straight believable? guy. Uh, luckily, he's a better actor than I, just from the clips I saw, than Ryan Lochte, who was his a cute guy, but oh, <laughs> a very good actor. Who is he, Ryan Lochte? If anyone has he's experienced acting like a straight guy, it's most gay men. Well, that's what he said. He's like, I acted straight for 23 years. He's like, I got this. Don't you worry. Uh, but it, yeah, so he yeah, got some flack for doing that. But nonetheless, he had a starring role. Like, he's used his... his his um, body, body to, to no. He's used his his uh, influence to really kind of like he took this this being an athlete and being because he knew. Here, I guess my point is he knew that he knows that being visible is important. Being a visible out gay person is is important. So he's taken the athlete because now he's going to compete in uh, the twenty twenty two Olympics. He's going to be uh, thirty two, I guess. And when he does that, or you know, he'll be thirty uh, when he competes, he'll be the one of the oldest athletes to to do that in his sport. So he's using this opportunity to you know find new ventures but a way to be visible and set an example for other people by the way on a side note he is now um he's switched flags so he's competed uh, all his awards as as an olympic athlete and up until um up until now he's been a u.s he's been competed at competing as a u.s athlete uh in the 2022 olympics and then as as recently as this year he's competing as a, under the uk uh, oh, flag is. Oh. He says he's doing it as as a tribute to his mom. Like his mom's British, and he's also he's dual citizen, and so he's like he's just, probably sick of Trump. He's also saying that it's an easier way for him to kind of get in. It's less competitive. Not so much that the athletes are any less caliber, but there's not as much competition mm-hmm. there. So he, it's easier for him to get into Olympic trials. Well, you don't like that. Um, I mean, it just. You wave, you wave one flag, and you're like, "Yay, go America, go USA! This is the greatest. I'm gonna win one for my country." And then the next time, wait, wasn't he <laughs> for a there whole different country last but time? Like, again, I mean, I, I get uh, the ath- the competitive thing. I'm like, oh, you're gonna have to compete against these athletes anyway. But I, I think I'm maybe not interpret it in the way he he is probably in his mind. I do think him saying that he's doing it to honor his mom. I think that's pretty. That's that's cool. I, I'm down with that. Um, I mean, aside, yes, he has some great pictures on Instagram, uh, 
but you know he uses his celebrity uh his newfound celebrity uh to set an example uh and to also raise money for uh lg uh lgbtq plus causes i mean he's got 1.7 million instagram followers um but is also a very visible and vocal lgbtq advocate i mean you've seen him on every like i mentioned all the shows he's been on but he's got a youtube channel as well do you have a youtube channel uh he does uh he's been all over the place uh but he he uh point being he's raising money like recently he raised two hundred fifty thousand dollars towards aids by competing in a charity uh bicycle competition and the reason i say this is because i'm like if he's competing in bike competitions like those legs this has got to be I'm a married man. Oh, no, you sound like his. you're in love with him, Thomas. No, I already have one uh, uh, man who was uh, born in 1991, and I'm good with him. So <laughs> you uh, backtracking? Yeah. Well, he can be a, your celebrity crush. Uh, yes, I already. Yeah. Don't worry, Spence and I have already been over this. I'm like, do we get a third? No, I'm kidding. Uh, just kidding. Why not? What? Don't, Tell don't us YOLO. Don't couples have Expound that? Expound upon it. Don't All couples are open. Oh, the now. freebie. Yeah, the free. That's what I was going. Oh, like, the freebie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not the third. The freebie. Well, mine's Oprah. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that's Gus Kenworthy. So, like I said, the research was really tough. Just tough. Had to watch YouTube videos. He went to all images. He didn't do any reading. <laughs> Had to look at his Instagram. Spencer's like, "What are you looking at?" I'm like, "Don't. I'm doing research for the yeah. podcast." <laughs> doing research for the podcast. I see. That's a good angle. From now on, I'm only selecting super hot people to research. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna be jealous of my topic. Woof, who is No, it? just kidding. She, I think that she is adorable. Annie Leibovitz. Do you know who she is? <laughs> oh, my God. Is he's Googling. <laughs> I have to Google every uh, The photographer. That was such a that stare he gave you. Like, like <laughs> you might as well ask him. <laughs> ask him if, like, I didn't know if you heard me. Do you know who? <laughs> so, Annie Leibovitz, um, born October 2nd, oh, 1949. Yeah, like Seems sassy. Uh, you have to look at her artwork, like Annie Leibovitz's uh, works of art, or just photography. Photography. That's She's an American portrait photographer, probably the most famous portrait photographer. Um, she was born in Connecticut to Jewish parents, and her father was an officer in the U.S. Air Force, so she moved around a lot. And when they lived in Philippines, was the first time she started um, playing with photography. You know, we have to do a better job. I'm just saying this is I'm looking at Tony as I'm listening to you and look at Tony scroll through uh, uh, noting our sources because, you know, we got to text um, recently from our friend Jessica who was like, hey, these things you guys shout out, like, you know, please let us know because, I mean, this is good information. Documentaries. We're learning. I guess my point is we are learning at the same time uh, often is the case as everyone else is listening. Well, Annie's address is... <laughs> Oh, let's all write this down. You want to pause this one, come back to minute? No. So she grew up moving around a lot because her dad was in the Air Force. But her mom, she got into the arts because her mom was a modern dance instructor. Um, and she got into the arts, started going to San Francisco Art Institute. She initially went to study painting, but uh, she wanted to be an art teacher. And then she switched to photography right off the bat the first time she took a photography uh, workshop. And then in 1970, at only 21, she became a staff photographer for Rolling Stone. And that is like, to do that at, at 21, 21, yeah. to be a photographer, that is one of the great magazines that you yeah. try to do um, anytime, much less 21 years old. And then she became the chief, chief uh, photographer for Rolling Stone in 1973 all the way to 1983. 
And then she traveled with the band, the Rolling Stones, in 1971 and 1972 and then 1975 on their tour. And she took a lot of pictures, of somewhat well-known pictures of... Who's the guy? Oh, shoot. Were they nudes? Wait, who's the lead singer? Mick Jagger. Mm. And took a famous picture of him in a elevator. He had a bathrobe on and he had a towel on his head. Mick Jagger, we all know him as this um, Siamese cat. <laughs> <laughs> but when he was younger, he was really cute. Yeah. Hottie. Who's the guy from One Direction? Harry Styles. He had a Harry Styles feel. <laughs> we know who your 1D crush is. Exactly. Well, you talked about Gus frothing at the mouth. Let me talk about Mick. Like, he's like, woof. Um, but in December 8th, 1980, um, she her career was coming up. She was still known at Rolling Stones. And Rolling Stones sent her on a photo shoot with John Lennon. Uh they were like, this might be for the cover of Rolling Stone. Go try to get a good uh, photograph with them. He agreed to it. Um, when she got there, Yoko Ono was there. <laughs> and she had meant to just do the whole photography session with um, Lennon. But he pretty much said, well, I want Yoko in it. So she was like, okay. Mm. So she had the idea to them. I think Yoko controlled everything. <laughs> for them to kind of recreate in a different way. Um, the album cover for Double Fantasy, which was Yoko Ono's and Lennon's kind of joint album that had just come out. Mm. And on the album cover, they're kissing, but they're fully clothed, and it's very, like... Basic? Yeah, it's basic. Like a couple... Mm. <laughs> the couples that have a joint Facebook account. Oh, yeah. It would be their profile picture. <laughs> Isn't that you and Ben? <laughs> no. No. Uh, so she said, okay, well, John, well, why don't you get naked? Let's let's mix it up a bit. So Yoko started getting naked, and she said, no, no, you keep your clothes on. Hashtag me too. <laughs> yeah. So she laid Yoko out. Yoko was in all black. She brushed her hair out, so it kind of elongated her. And John Lennon was naked next to her. Y'all all have seen the photograph. It's an iconic photograph. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And it looks like he's clinging to her. It's just like a striking picture. And it was the first. It was a Polaroid. It was the first picture she took. And she loved it. And John Lennon said, you captured our relationship in one Polaroid. He said, this has to go on the cover of Rolling Stone. Um, Promise me it will go on the cover. And she said, she looked him in the eye and said, I promise you this will go on the cover of the uh, Rolling Stone. Went back to the office, all excited. Less than five hours from that photo shoot, he was killed. It was the day he was murdered. Wow. And the guy who killed him actually had gotten his autograph that morning. Oh, no way. He had come back. Because he was an obsessed fan, right? That's the He that lived in Hawaii. He flew all the way in from Hawaii. He was obsessed with him, but he was mad because he the guy was really religious, um, Mark Chapman. He was upset because he felt like he was disrespecting God. Mm. You know, like some of the song lyrics. And it, yeah. he said, Imagine was anti-Jesus and uh, some of the other ones. So he went to kill him, but he was insane. Yeah. You know, became obsessed with him and then thought, but it, when he got his autograph that morning, he had him autograph the Double Fantasy album cover. Oh, really? And then a few hours later, they recreated in this one of the most iconic pictures of all time. And then he comes back and shoots him. He shot five times, and it hit him four times hmm. on the way into his apartment, apartment. complex. Yep. And then less than a month later, it was the cover of that photograph was used for the oh, cover of uh, Rolling Stone. 
So that is an iconic photograph, which I've seen my whole life and didn't know that that was on the day he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't either. Like, I feel like that bit of trivia is lost. Like, and it really is. It's not famous because, oh, this is his last photograph. Because she was the last photographer to photograph him. But if you look at it, it's so... He's, like, alien-like. And there's, like, questions of, like, is she a maternal figure? Is he, mm-hmm. like... Because he's clinging to her. Um Annie said for her it looked like she was almost keeping him warm, like he was clinging onto her as a way to stay warm. It's just one of those photographs you can look at it and it's so striking that you can different people can see different mm-hmm. full different emotions from it. But their son, Sean Lennon, uh, John Lennon and Yoko's son, recreated that photo in two thousand nine with his girlfriend, but he was clothed clothed and the girlfriend was naked, mm. pretty much doing the same thing. So she kind of Recreated the same yeah. image. They're still alive, aren't they? No one yes. died that day. I was like, yeah. You should, you know, conspiracy theories and whatnot. But so not long after that, well, a few years later, she got a position at Vanity Fair, and that's when she started using really bold colors and rich lighting, which is what she's known for today. Like her, the she is responsible for how we view Vanity Fair, because those she does almost every single cover. Mm-hmm. And the lighting is very, it's like very rich. It's storytelling in mm-hmm. photographs. Like normally there's a whole scene and you can tell in Annie Leroy's photograph. And I feel like she got known for that once she started working for Vanity Fair. And then in 1998, she began at Vogue and she kind of took that same uh, look with her there as well. In 2008, she took pictures of a 15-year-old Miley Cyrus. And in the photograph, Miley was... She was topless, but she was her back. Her face was to the camera, but who was she was looking back at the camera, and you could see her exposed back. And her she had a sheet in front of her, so she looked naked, but she was 15. Mm. So there were calls for boycotts. Um, you know, it was a big scandal that they were in. Miley felt like she had to apologize, and she basically said she felt duped, like she didn't know that was the type of photograph they were going to be doing. And Annie said, "I am sorry that." This has been twisted into something it's not. It's a beautiful photograph. Yeah, it's art. Does, yeah. Do we know if Miley still feels that same way now? Like, well, this was like Hannah Montana Miley. Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Do you think like because now? Now she mean, would not care. Yeah. Miley's. I but agree. back then she was she hadn't grown out of her Disney Disney image. Well, no, it was just it was more the question of like has she said yeah that was a it was a fucked up situation because. She was 15. Or she was too young to do that. Like, yeah, and her parents should have said something, right? Um, well, it's kind of the defense. Um, if they felt it was wrong. Well, Vogue's defense was, well, she had a shirt on, but she didn't. I mean, if she'd had one, it was covering her. You know, if you take a shirt off and you cover your breasts with it, like... Mm. Actually, as I say all this, I actually don't know what my position is on that. I mean, it's art, eh. but it's just, she's a kid. I mean, she's... 15, 15, I don't 15, like. Yeah, so... I mean, there was uh, all that controversy with Britney when she was on the cover of Rolling Stone. With mm-hmm. She was 17? Yeah. So it, and it the Catholic is, school outfit. And it, it, was it is one of those things that, well, I don't know. Well, I have a problem with kids under 18 having a career. Not a job at McDonald's, but a career to where your parents are basically quit their jobs because yeah, you're the money Yeah, because then it's maker. like you don't have any time to like mentally grow up. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. not your option. But yeah, that's not that's not all of them. There are plenty of kids that grow up fine and well adjusted. That's not my point. The to me, the point is, 
let them do that when they're 18. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Like let them have, be a kid, go to school, do all that stuff and say, if you want to be an actor one day, no, I, you I, have the opportunity to do that. I it's the ones that are like spend hours filming shows at yeah. eight, nine, 10, I guess teenager I would, or whatever. My only difference would be like, if that's how your, your family is depending on the paycheck, then yes, that's too much pressure. But if your kid wants to do that, like I, I don't know, I feel, I would feel okay doing it, but I would feel, I don't think I could do it if, if my kid were, was being the breadwinner. Like if we solely like, cause that, that puts the pressure on like, you have to do this. Otherwise we're well, not having have a it. show called Hannah Montana where you're the star of the show as a teenager could be a lot of pressure too. Yes. I just, I, I feel like those opportunities are out there. I mean, what, what you, when you say that, then you take away all opportunities for kids to be on TV. Like no, I mean like you do a commercial or a, a one episode, something, but to have a career, to hit a kid, to have a career. McDonald's is not a career. I'm using that cause that was my first job. Yeah. Or, you know, working 15 hours a week is not a career. But when you, there's a lot of pressure, especially with social media, to make your kid a star of a TV show, and then all the mental stuff that comes with that, and then you're carrying a TV show and having to deal with like ratings and um, the influences, because we've all heard horror stories of what producer and the kids are sexualized, and I just kind of like do that when you're an adult if you want to do that. I don't think kids, parents should get involved in that. It's different to say like let's try out for a Colgate commercial or a cereal commercial. Now you know why Kendall and I were never parents. <laughs> he wanted his, he thing. wanted our dogs to have their own sitcoms. I was like, like you're 10. They, they you get a job to support the whole go, family. Come on. Get out there. <laughs> um, in 2007, she started doing the Disney's Year of a Million Dreams um, ad campaign to where she had celebrities be Disney characters. Like Beyonce was Alice in Wonderland and Scarlett Johansson was Cinderella. J-Lo was Princess Jasmine. Y'all have probably seen those ads. Okay. Yeah, well, they've, for years she did those and they kind of reimagined uh, Disney princesses with like the biggest celebrities yeah. at the time. In 2018, Reese Witherspoon um, was photographed and it looked like, uh, the way she was edited, it looked like she had three legs. Oh, that It was, was so photoshopped that she had an extra that leg. That was with... Uh, that was a, a group. Um, mm-hmm. It was a big group yeah, in Vanity Fair. Yes, that wasn't. Ju- it was like Oscar nominees or something like that, or Emmy nominees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> but, but that was it. Was it wasn't? I don't know if that was was it photoshopped or was it just the way someone's leg was. Um, I tried to find out. I couldn't figure it out because when I looked at the picture, it looked like maybe her leg is just twisted that yeah. way. Oh, I don't know if it's. Tw- yeah, I mean, it wasn't twisted like a deformity. It was like a. Or abnormality. It was a. It was just the pose. The way it was like, twisted. Yeah. No, it was Photoshop. Yeah. As we talk about it, yeah. They, they they put a third leg on her. Yeah, and it was a black woman's leg. <laughs> no, she was sitting next to Oprah at the time, but. No, she was near Oprah, but she was leaning on someone else. Uh, she must have been drinking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but she was in a relationship for years that no one knew it at the time, or she didn't admit it at the time. There were rumors. A writer, a famous writer called Susan Sontag. Um, she was in a relationship with her once she met her in the late 80s when she photographed her for her book jacket um, all the way to Susan Sontag died of cancer in 2004. But she was never open about it, and people, because of the rumors, some um, journalists would ask her, so what's going on with that? 
For years she said friend, and then she, finally she admitted we were lovers. So she reluctantly said it. Can, on a side note, will you will you permit me just a, a random side note? Okay. On, because you you're you said friend, uh, and then lover. So, Spencer and I have been going through this uh, little thing where, as we're you know going through all the house stuff, he likes to refer to me as his boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we've been dating for three years, three years. Yeah, since. but. But he still says boyfriend. And I, I guess my, why I didn't like, th- after I graduated high school, whether it was I was dating a girl or a boy, it was like, I always referred to them as my friend. Uh, oh, I, really? Because I, I thought boyfriend and girlfriend was very high schooly. I'm like, it's my boyfriend. No, because I feel girlfriend. friend implies like you're not romantically involved. Friend is disrespectful to a your person yeah. you're dating. Well, then, so as a friend, 40 year old man like what am i what is the like? i feel it should you're either friends boyfriends or husbands or mm-hmm. fiancés or husbands there's no so put a ring on it there's no partner. i feel partner is back it's in the dated day when it's when we couldn't get married gay well, marriage yeah well, it's that's like spence says because so. it specifies okay. like oh we're not good at, we're not like as good as the straights i feel partner to me it's almost derogatory because he, he personally. Get, really really no i feel it's like dated. it's a very I, do, I feel it's like, definitely dated. It is, but I've never known a straight person to say partner. Because no, I do. I have known straight people to say partners. That's why I like. Maybe I that was their way of coming out to you. Yeah. I feel like it's a way of. And it went over his uh, head. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's a way to. Uh, it's it's. I don't know if you're married. I don't care if you're married. Like because the, the getting married is a is a traditional way of. Right. Doing things right. Not everyone wants to get married straight or or gay. Like, so, do you feel partner implies more of a long term thing? Yeah. Okay. When so he's calling you, up the power company, the electric company, be like, "Oh, my boyfriend and I just." Bought, do you like, think that implies like, "Oh, we've been together three months"? Yeah, I'm like, people are thinking mm. this is short term. Like, honey, you need to get out of that relationship. Well, who no. what they think? I know, but I'm just like it. it Most know. people roll their eyes. At See, partner. I don't. I, I just really? can call you lover. Well, that, that's what he said. Do you want me to call you lover? It's like I'll call uh, Reliant Energy and be like, my lover and I. Just I think it's a boyfriend home. until yeah. my lover just my lover and I just bought a home, but we need the electricity hooked up for <laughs> our sex dungeon. It's boyfriend until it's fiance. So if you want to change that, I kind of think so too. Like, oh, get over. I it. think that's <laughs> the current. I feel it's like keep your wedding ring on. <laughs> I still got. Is that even on the right hand? Well, Ben lost his shit. It is. Ben threw his in the You're, toilet. Yours is on the right hand. It's supposed to be on the left hand. Okay, head. let's get back to Annie. Anyways. Annie, Anyways. um... I said a little aside. Thank you. So, Annie, she was parodied, like, a version of her was on Will and Grace in 2002. Glenn Close played Fanny Lieber, mm. the Fanny portrait Lieber. photographer that... Uh, it was a very exaggerated version mm-hmm. of Amy Leibovitz. Um, took pictures of Will and Grace. I was trying to remember. I was like, what was the name of Glenn Glo- Yeah, okay. Fanny Lieber. Fanny Lieber. So, but Annie Lieberwitz is still out there, still photographing, still at the top of her game. Perm- still putting a third leg. Perm- <laughs> you know what's crazy? She was born when? 40? 49. 49. Um, it just, again, reminded me of Paul where it's like, you know, look at what she's been mm-hmm. able to accomplish. I mean, because she's lived her whole life versus... Did she do like what are some other famous spreads that she's done? Which did she do? Caitlyn? Susan Sontag. Caitlyn Jenner was that her? Who? Was, oh, she might have. I don't know. That didn't like come the, up. In the my big search. one, like uh, the big. This is a lot of pressure. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought. I thought. 
that was something. Like she, but she's done a lot of like high profile. The list was extremely long. The I list plucked goes the ones on I thought um, my co host, my co partners. <laughs> I would recommend so when your friend Jessica reached out and she's like, Oh, what documentaries were you referring to and this and that? Because I feel sometimes, you know, we try to keep these episodes to a reasonable amount. Like, Paul, I mean, if you just look at, like, the list of movies he was in, things like that. So, like, her, if you just Googled her name and said, what did she shoot? There's probably a huge list of... Yeah. 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 I wasn't going to do that. No, cause, but I mean, you just... <laughs> no, I just feel like I some did. of these characters... It was hundreds of Yeah, like, some of these people have so much more depth than we can convey in, like, 40 minutes, you know? 40 minutes. When's the last time we did a 40 minute episode? No, each person gets 40 minutes because we're like long winded. We each yeah. get two 40 minute segments. Yeah, because we're like a two hour. Uh, or like we get 20 minutes. A two hour tour. All right. Well, anything else, ladies? All right. Well, that's fun. That's a good way I to kick off. were good topics today. Good way to kick oh, off thank you. LGBTQ History Month. Again, mm-hmm. it is a big month. Make sure that you are, uh, huge, you know, huge it's, month. It's, it's a huge. Obese. Obese. I don't know. Why did you look at me when you said that? <laughs> uh, speaking of big month. You put the plus. In. Uh, there are four states that have started voting. And in, in October, many, many, many more states will start to open up their voting. So make sure that you are registered to vote. Uh, by this time, it is our, the deadline's happening. So make sure that you are registered to vote. Make sure that you're getting other people registered to vote. If you're already like, hey, I already got that. Well, then talk to your you're cousins. You're mailing in. Get that shit in. Well, and then vote. Nieces, nephews. <laughs> Don't just yeah. register. Uh, get them to register to vote. You make sure you go vote. Uh, early voting. Get, you know, if, if early voting is a lot in your state if you can do mail-in voting uh do that if you can do whatever absentee voting figure that out if that's uh open or an option for your state just vote once don't vote twice this is not a that's illegal so don't do that um get other people to go vote as well take them along for the ride whether you know doing it virtually we do everything virtually so uh, make sure you're holding your friends and family accountable to go vote uh and also educate yourself on the issues on what's going on on the candidates um you know it's important to to listen to the resources yes but you got to do your own research check out things that are of interest of you whether that's lgbtq lgbtq issues education women's rights i mean this is a you know they're all big elections but this is very important uh and so uh i was gonna go on on the supreme court thing but this mm-hmm. that, that was at the beginning of thing but point is it, it matters so go vote not just at the top of the ticket but all the way to the, the bottom bottoms too. the mm. bottoms matter bottoms too. need attention Shoot. bottoms need attention so vote versatile versatile <laughs> vote versatile. <laughs> put that on the t-shirt put that vote on the pillow all right well thank you for listening to our podcast and kicking with this this week a special thank you to the guy who keeps our sound in check spencer Whoa. that's Whoa. your boyfriend that's my bo- that's partner my, that's partner. my boyfriend it's my boyfriend. Uh, you know, you can catch Spencer on one of the Listen Works podcasts or two of the Listen Works podcasts, our spoopy podcast. He's there with Chris. They're talking about murder mysteries, scary things, spoopy things, all things. And it's Halloween month, so you definitely want to catch them talking about urban legends and all the things that are scary. You can also catch their recap uh, episodes of. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, right now they're doing RuPaul's oh, Drag Race Holland, so catch them doing that on our Ruby podcast. You can Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Let's Talk About Gay Stuff, so you can hear future episodes. You can visit our website at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com, and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff, and on Twitter at Talk Gay Stuff. Hey, guess what? We also have a... Do we have a YouTube channel? We're on YouTube, so you can listen to our episodes on YouTube as well. 
And I think Amazon is starting to put her episodes out there as well. So, hey. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, do that. So, and you know, Whoa. don't just listen. Hey, while you're listening, you can leave us a review. review. Punch five stars. Tell us what you think about our podcast. Share it with others. Tell us if we're woke. Yeah. I mean, you can tell us, but, you know, the the reviews aren't just for us. The reviews are for other people who are thinking, do I want to listen to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff? And the answer is yes, and you tell them why. Don't want to drop, don't want to tell us all this stuff in public. You can drop us a line at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff at gmail.com. All right. With that, we're here. We're queer. Get used to it. <laughs>